And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Dylan Quare. And once again, we are coming to you with a bonus episode. Uh, due to scheduling reasons, we're uh, on a bit of a hiatus from covering those great movies. Uh, Nick is off doing fun and exciting things and not here with us at the moment. So instead, Dylan and I are here to just talk about whatever we decide we want to talk about <laughs> instead of <laughs> talking about uh, movies that Roger Ebert picks for us. We get to pick. Um, so this week, Dylan actually chose a double feature of films. Uh, do you want to tell the good people what movies you picked and, and why we did this double feature? Um, for one, I just think, trying to think of like uh, movies that we don't usually sort of touch on in mm-hmm. the Ebert book. Yep. Um, kind of like but... last week's episode, we decided to do some... Yeah, Italian like horror films. Ebert's <laughs> not going to do these gushing, gory Italian movies. No. He also probably isn't going to do Disney movies outside of either the classical or the Renaissance period. Yeah, are there even any Renaissance Disney Renaissance movies in the Great Movies? Or probably not. It might. It's just like I know there's like Pinocchio. You know, like there's there's the yeah, classics, but and that's the classical period. Um, wasn't really caught up with the uh, sort of late. Post Renaissance mm-hmm. Disney time period. Yeah, and um, I think that's at least where we both have a favorite Disney movie of ours, and then I kind of recommended a second one, which you've seen, but it's yes. been a uh, long time. Yeah, probably. God, but it came out in what? Oh two. I probably saw it in like oh three or oh four. Was the last time. Okay, so we did Emperor's New Groove, which is the one we both like a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we did Lilo and Stitch, which um, is probably my favorite Disney movie of all time. That um, is fascinating. <laughs> it is. Out of, out of curiosity, when you, uh, to start this off, how much did you remember from Lilo and Stitch before? So, I, I remember the general shape of it. I will say um, that I did not remember how it started like in my memory it started with lilo finding stitch and then it sort of revealed later on that he's that's like the 25 creature. minute mark yes there's like 20 minute opening of alien hijinks it, it kind of just kept going um so i at one point i literally paused it to be like this is lilo and stitch right i didn't accidentally <laughs> put on like a prequel movie that was made um so th- that i distinctly did not remember but i I remembered the plot, and everyone knows that Ohana means family, and um, you know that that. But the details, I definitely did not have any particular memory of. I didn't even remember the Elvis of it all. That goes to show. Oh you my god, there's so I much did. Elvis. It's, it's all Elvis all the time. But that goes to show you how much I did not remember. Um, <laughs> He's a model I, citizen. God, <laughs> so funny. Um, but I did, like I said, I remembered, I remembered the general gist and the sisters and, you know, that, but definitely no details. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And um, history of uh, Emperor's New Groove. What what would, would, so, would made? Because you're you're not an animated film fan, but you said this is one that you could. So funny, yeah. I've seen it a million times. I don't even remember. I, I definitely didn't see it in the theater, but I think like a lot of people, I think it you know it did okay, but it, it was kind of considered a box office disappointment. So, but it really took most off. of the ones in this era of yeah. Disney. Yeah, but this one really took off on home video um, or sort of early DVD times. And that definitely would have been where I watched it and then just watched it a bunch. Um, and I think, you know, it it's not like a princess story. It doesn't feel like it's for kids. It, um, you know, it doesn't have like, other than like the adorable little kiddos, it doesn't have like kids as main characters. It has like these actors, you know, David Spade and John Goodman and Patrick Warburton. It's like, oh, those guys that I like from the sitcoms that I watch, basically. And so Eartha Kitt. Yeah, and Eartha Kitt. Um, but and like literally, it has Wendy Malick and David Spade, who were on Just Shoot Me around that time. John and that's Good- uh, the person that plays uh, Poncha's wife, wife, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. And um, John Goodman, who was John Goodman, and Patrick Warburton from Seinfeld. And so, like literally, it was just like, oh, I like all these people. And then you watch it, and it, ha- it has that late '90s, early 2000s, like one-liner sort of, you know. And it has like like irreverent sort of. David Spade's sarcastic energy. So I think that's probably why it clicked more. I mean, I was I was 15 when Emperor's New Groove came out. Probably mm-hmm. 16 or 17 by the time I saw it. Um, and then, like, for, as I told you earlier, Lilo and Stitch, the reason why I hadn't seen it once a million years ago, I was 17 by the time Lilo and Stitch came out. So I watched <laughs> it babysitting. Like, you know, yeah. summer break from college, babysitting my the neighbor kids that I had always babysat um who would have been like I don't know 10 and 4 or something um and watched it with them sort of so just definitely came to these from very different um <laughs> POVs probably sure. than I'm guessing you did when you saw them the first time um I actually so I I saw Emperor's New Groove as a kid a lot that was one of the DVDs we had I didn't see Lilo and Stitch until high school Really yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my weird break yeah. Um, there. Yeah, and my, my, my main association with Lilo and Stitch is that one of my best friends has a dog that she named Stitch. And so, um, and he's a little, uh, I think it's a skipper key. And he's really cute and really hyper, and we always just call him Stitchy. And he's so, like, that's my main association. So when I hear Stitch, I'm like, Stitchy! Um so very emotional attachment to Stitch in general. That must have made the movie even it, more it emotional made it than even it did. More, it did. I was just like, oh, I have I have such a positive association with Stitch. <laughs> um, I I also think Stitch is great. Um, Stitch we'll is talk great. About it, but Stitch is pretty cool. Stitch is pretty cool. Also benefits. So I was you can't watch Lilo. You can't watch Lilo and Stitch and not think about ET, right? Like yes, it's just not that it's that similar, but you know, Alien comes to Earth is being sort of chased down by various people. You know, kid trying to hide. Um, and I was thinking about how adorable, we're a broken family. I was thinking about how adorable Stitch is, and I was thinking about how terrifying and not adorable Stitch would be if this were not like two D <laughs> animation. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> if they tried to render Stitch the way that E.T. Oh, my God. It would be horrifying. So. Well, you know they're going to make a live-action Stitch in a couple years, right? 
I mean, is that actually in the works, or are you just assuming? No, no, no. Yeah, they they have a director attached to it, and already all it's all going. It's John Chu is attached. I mean, look, John Chu can can do whatever he wants to do. Talented man, but good. I, I literally thought you were doing a joke about how. Well, no. They, they make everything Disney-like. No, I was reminded when I looked up on Letterboxd and I typed in Lilo and Stitch, and the, first, the second thing was uh, John Chu's Lilo and Stitch covered 2024 like, and things. That's like David Lowry's doing the, the new Peter Pan, the like Peter and Wendy. You're like, all these directors who, I mean, granted, I, I'm assuming it's because they're going to get paid a bunch of money and maybe they're going to have a good time, but it's like, guys, why, why are you all doing these Disney live-action movies when you could do literally the, anything else? The biggest else? one is still Barry Jenkins doing Lion King 2. 2. Yes, that's that's the worst example of all of this. And again, oh, Barry. he seems happy to be doing it, So, and maybe it will finance whatever weirdo projects they want to do next, but yeah. live-action, that's going to haunt my nightmares, live-action Stitch. <laughs> Literally the one thing I was like, the best part of this movie is that he's an adorable animated creature. It's still the best part of this movie. He's so cute with his little ears and his little arms. <laughs> um, I love his big eyes. His big eyes. When he's all sad, they get... We'll talk about how he's sad. Um, very, very manipulative, this film. Anyway, Emperor's New Groove, though. Yes, okay, um, yeah, I will say that when you said when you're talking about the style of this movie, I've heard it mainly compared to Chuck Jones, and I think that's a really good comp. Yeah, um, I was doing a lot of reading about this movie because so probably even more like notorious than the movie itself is sort of the story behind it. This was maybe the most troubled. It was definitely the most troubled production. Disney had ever had until that time. Who knows? It's hilarious the movie they started with exactly. versus the movie they ended up with. Exactly. And that they tried to like hang on to, like, like they kept sort of the main two characters and then just redid the rest of the movie around <laughs> it. Um, and so I was reading that just to make sure I remembered that story correctly and did see a quote where somebody from oh yeah someone who worked on it said oh yeah i pitched it as a chuck jones style you know road trip Uh buddy comedy with like hijinks and yeah there's there's a lot of hijinks Mm -hmm. um but for people who don't know this started before it was emperor's new groove it was a film called kingdom of the sun um after the lion king they were like we want to do more epic you know sets in international and other cultures and um tell these myths and these stories and so they picked they were gonna do the incan creation myth yes um, <laughs> which like <laughs> imagine starting with a movie called kingdom of the sun about the incan creation myth then ending up with emperor's new groove and in hot boom baby boom baby and in between um it was there was gonna be like a prince and a pauper version where it was gonna be a david spade and owen wilson as like a the emperor and a peasant and they were gonna switch and then that got changed around and And remember it was gonna be a musical it was gonna be a musical um they hired has has david spade ever sung in a movie i not that i've ever heard um this was around the time though that they were still doing singing voices like they would have just hired Donny Osmond oh yeah they would have yeah, just hired yeah. Donny Osmond true. and had Donny Osmond uh, sing his parts like that's they do fair that's fair a lot of stuff um yeah that they don't do they don't really do that anymore right now animated no voices. I don't think so but this was around like I so one of my favorite animated movies of all time is uh Anastasia 
Don Bluth's Anastasia, which is like a perfect animated movie. Um, but that is a movie where almost nobody sings their own stuff. Like Kelsey Grammer <laughs> does, but Meg Ryan and John Cusack are not belting out their uh, romantic ballads in that movie. So, <sighs> Does Kelsey Grammer sound like a baby I hear the blues are calling yeah, in the movie? Yeah, but it's great. Beautiful. Have you, Love it. Have you not seen Anastasia? I don't think so, no. Oh. I, mean, I think I've seen parts of it when I was that. really young. There's yeah. a lot of those like late 90s, early 2000s movies where it's like, I think I've seen parts yeah. at someone's house. Sure. And if I have, I don't remember it very well. Anastasia um, is one... So that movie came out when I was probably in like eighth grade or something. So it was like sure. right at the age where my friends and I were like, okay, so we're too old. Like we can't act like we care about this animated movie because like we're, sure. we're like 12 or 13. But we really want to see it because it looks really good. And like the songs well, were blue. Yeah. And so I just... My friends and I went and saw it in the theater and then, like, saw it again and then all bought the CDs and then learned all the songs. And, like, we went all – I was, went all in on Anna's Hell yeah. Show. And I still watch it. It's, it's like a Christmassy movie, so I still watch it every year around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, back to Emperor's New Groove, um, right around that same time period, they were going to make a musical. They were going to have Sting come in and write a whole <laughs> bunch of songs and truly, the only surviving element of that is the ver- is the weird sting song that plays over the closing credits. That it sounds- is one of the most tonally it's dissonant moments in film history. Wild total whiplash where you have the big jokey, or end in- you end on some really fantastic jokes at the end of this movie, and then it hard cuts to credits, and a sting ballad starts up, and you're like, "What movie did <laughs> they think I just watched?" I think. Uh- Lilo and Stitch has a better uh, cut to credits uh, song. Oh, the Lilo and, the Le- and Stitch credits are amazing. Yes, but it, it just, like it just fits the tone better. Oh, of course, yeah. Nothing against Sting, but like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, nothing against Sting. I, I, Sting wrote that song for a different movie, and yes. then they just stuck it here, and it still got an Oscar nomination for best original are song. Are you shitting me? I am not are you shitting me? I am not. I am not. Um, this movie was nominated for one Oscar. That's it. Song for my funny friend and me. Um, this would have been before there was an animated. Oh yes, 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 yes. I thought it came out in two thousand one. It came out in two thousand. Yes, in the two thousand one was the first year. Yeah, it was the two thousand one Oscars, but it was the two thousand. The movie came out in two thousand. So, I am fact checking myself, but no, this was right before they started animated feature. Yeah, this is 2000, so. Lost to a movie called Wonder Boys, Things Have Changed. Yes. Oh, there's a, there's a song by Bob Dylan. Oh, this is the Bob This it's, is the Bob Dylan Oscars moment. Yeah, when he like videoed in. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder, Wonder Boys is fine. No one talks about it anymore. Um, Curtis Hansen movie. Uh, with a, Man, there's a couple really great nominations here. Fool in Love for Meet the Parents by Randy Newman. I've seen it all from Dance in the Dark by Bjork. Yeah, And A Love Before here. Time... From Crouching Tiger, Hidden yep. Dragon. Yep. This is the Bjork year with the swan dress and everything. And so they this gave was it a... to Dylan. Of course they did. Of yeah, I know. Like, the whole point of the nomination was so they could give an Oscar it, to Bob Dylan. It also speaks a lot to, like, where I was and my movie watching at this time, which, like, by the time this Oscars came around, I hadn't seen Emperor's New Groove, but I'd definitely seen Wonder Boys and thought I was, like, <laughs> very sophisticated because I had seen Wonder Boys. 
If, if you rated them on Letterboxd now, what, which oh, one God. do you think would be I <laughs> barely even remember. What Wonder Boys has a really good cast. Um, it has, like, it has Robert Downey Jr., like, still not, not, not on the other side of his troubles yet, you know? Kind of still, like... It sounds like the Irish dark, history. Dark, yeah, dark Robert Downey Jr. Um, you know, it's it's whatever, but I felt very sophisticated at the time for having seen it. Nice. Yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah, so basically, at the end of the day, they realized that they're this Kingdom of the Sun uh, movie was not working, they scrap everything. They basically bring in all of their animators to like, okay, guys, we need to get this thing out by the end of the year. We have to get it out by December. So just drop everything. Let's make this jokey movie and uh, sort of threw it together. And all of that being said, it's remarkable that it turned out so well. Um, I kind of think so. But at the same time, I'm like, this is probably the movie Disney stood in the least way of. Yeah. And they kind of just gave it to the animators and were like, put something out so we can make some money. Yeah, yeah. And it was really like the animators got to take authorship of the movie and they got to take from, you know, the things that inspired them, which is Chuck Jones cartoons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it came out so well. Right. It's one of the least Disney-feeling movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. It really is. um, Visually, it kind of has a similar look to um, something like Hercules. It's not as stylized as Hercules, but it has kind of the same like angle angles and bright colors and stuff. I haven't seen Hercules, so that's all I know about. Like, do you keep almost saying Heracles? I do keep saying almost saying Heracles. Jesus! I <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar. Um, no, I've never seen Hercules, so I don't have any context for the film itself, but just visually it kind of reminded me of that, um, which apparently... There's something... Sorry. Which apparently was kind of a concern for Disney because that was not super successful. So um, no, but again, another one that had a big boost with uh, home video, yeah, stuff. Um, there's a animation thing that they do in Emperor's New Groove that I also really like in Lilo and Stitch, which is they really only animate the characters and all the backgrounds are just sort of like mm-hmm. vague watercolor, pastel yes. sort of things. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I like I um, like that look a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah, it really... And it's funny that these... You know, not to be all kids these days about 3D animation and stuff, but animated movies are so busy now. Like, instead of just being, like you said, these beautiful backgrounds with your characters in the front and they can have, like, expressions and and now it's like an assault half the time when you watch an animated movie. Yeah, they just program a computer to animate, like, a thousand characters to put into a background. And it's like... Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Even the scene where they're in the spaceship in Lilo and Stitch at the beginning, and there's like a thousand aliens around them. Mm-hmm. They're mostly all just sort of like watercolor brushes, yes. like vague shapes of what uh, right. uh the, the things would look like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you can just really really feel the difference. Um, so I guess just in case there's anyone who's listening who doesn't know what the Emperor's New Groove is about, because um, I'm not gonna do a, a sort of plot by plot, scene by scene. It's it's more fun to just talk about the funny jokes and the good performances. Yes, yes, yes. But basically, um, we have Emperor Cusco, who's David Spade, who is a rich and spoiled uh, emperor guy. Um, who he's wants- a David Spade character. He's a David Spade, exactly. He's a David Spade <laughs> character. Um, and he wants to take over. Um, there's like sort of two plots going on that 
obviously end up converging, but he wants to kick this nice family out of their house. Uh, Pasha, played by John Goodman, and his pregnant wife, and their little adorable children, and Cusco wants the hill. He wants to build, like, his summer pool house on the hill where their house is located, and he wants to kick them out. What's the summer pool house called? Oh, God. Uh, Cuscotopia? (laughs) (laughs) I had that. I couldn't remember what it was. I knew it was something goofy. I had that written down. Um, Yes, Cuscotopia. And so, you know, that obviously is bad for Pasha, and he's trying to figure out how to sort of save his house for his family. Um, Meanwhile, Cusco has... What, what is Isma's like? Just like an advisor, she's just like a. I, I'm not even. Really, I can't even remember what her role in the palace. Yeah, is. she's but the she's, she's like, the emperor's advisor. There you go. She's just the advisor, um, voiced by Eartha Kitt, um, who we learned Legend. who we learned early on apparently just has like a rotating stable of young hunks um, that are <laughs> always that she's sort of going through, and the current one is named she has Kronk, one every decade, and uh, the current one is named Kronk. Uh, voiced by Patrick Warburton. And so Isma, with Kronk's help, decides she is going to kill Cusco, get him out of there, and take over power for herself. Um, unfortunately, they have they have a like lab in the, the palace, as you do. Um, and instead of poisoning Cusco, uh, they accidentally, the, the label gets uh, messed up. And so instead of getting the poison label, they get the turn you into a llama potion instead. And uh, Cusco. Well, the the best part is the label isn't messed up. It's It's the label is rolled up. Yeah. But the label's a llama, but rolled up, it looks like a skull. Skull. And so when he when he rolls it up, (laughs) then the llama goes, and then you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a very good visual joke. Um, And so Cusco, through a series of you know mishaps, instead of being killed, gets tossed out and winds up on his own and runs back into Pasha. And then um, they have a series of hijinks trying to get back to the palace and get everything righted. And, you know, ultimately it's about the friends we made along the way. But, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of our overview. Uh, we talked a little bit yesterday when I was watching this. Just the opening scene of this movie, it, it just comes out of the gate, like, so strong. Like It starts in the middle. It starts in the middle. It starts with, like, meta voiceover. Like, it's, you know, like, a very, like, it, it literally starts with a, like, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up. Yeah, it, it, it basically starts with that meme. Um, and, as, you know, that, that's just the tone of this movie, right? And probably why I liked it so much when it came out and I was a teen and I thought I was too cool for animated stuff because it has the Mm -hmm. like yep that's me let's go back and then it goes in as like a baby and it's like oh no that's too far back and it's just (laughs) very very meta goofiness um but it has a really funny opening musical number so that we talked about how it is not a musical um it has like a musical number at the beginning that sort of formed by some like Elton John looking dude that would be Sir Tom Jones. Um, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think Tom Jones is actually a sir. I think I just knighted him. But um, <laughs> oh no, it is. Okay, no, okay, he is a sir. Good, good for him. Yes, Tom Jones. You know, I didn't know he sung it. It's not unusual nice. fame. Um, no, so when he was singing, I was like, I turned to Matt and I was like, Is this Tom Jones or like a Tom? Someone doing a Tom Jones impression? And then when the little. Uh, they call it, what do they call him? Theme song guy? Yeah, when the actual little theme song guy pops out. Theme song guy. And I was like, okay, well, he's animated to look like 
young Tom Jones. And so looked it up. Oh, really? I, I don't know yeah. Tom Jones that well enough. Eh, I mean, why would you? <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, fa- just a fantastic. He just, he just, yeah, again, speaking of meta, like he's the theme song guy and he comes out and he sings Cusco's theme song. Um, and we get probably, probably my favorite joke in the entire movie, which, you know, it's in the first 10 minutes or whatever, but the poor little old man who throws off the emperor's groove. Like, <laughs> beware the groove. Yeah. And just, and then we see him later on and uh, I threw off the emperor's groove. Um, and There's also, so many jokes in that. That's the for, thi- It's so dense. One of my favorite ones is when they like throw the babies up to him and he just like stamps their head with a lip kiss. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. Um, but so yeah, it, and I think like I said, that's really the only musical number we get. Um, what we end up getting more of is a lot of like action sequences and mm-hmm. stuff as it goes. Um, and very Chuck Jonesy in action sequences where we start off with something very very basic, mm-hmm. and then we just sort of like raise the stakes with like. Okay, there's a new problem now, and then things get weirder, and things get more crazy, and the music picks up. Right. And, uh... Yeah, and you know the the one that always sticks out to me is when they are like trying to climb up the, the they're like back to back, and then they're trying to climb up the little crevice thing and like pushing back and forth. Um, obviously, swinging from the broken bridge is a good one, um, but you basically end up with so after after that opening number. Um, is when there's the the funny dinner scene where um, Isma and Kronk are going to poison Cusco, <laughs> and has the the joke I know you really like about uh, Kronk trying to play it cool while he's trying because there's all kinds of hijinks with the poison. He he keeps he poison, messing up the poison. He poison he put, there's three glasses. And he puts the poison in the glass, but he like forgets which glass. Well, he forgets because he his spinach puffs start to burn. Yes, and he has true. to run off and get those. Yeah, I and love Kronk and his spinach puffs. And then he looks back down and can't remember. Um, so he like mixes them up and he puts poison in all three of the glasses. Yeah. and he's like, and then he has to like don't, 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 and then, like throw it over their shoulders and yeah. Um, yeah. So, but when he's trying to play it cool, he says the line, uh, "Did you see that sky today? Talk about blue." Talk about <laughs> okay. Um, and it, you know, goes to show Cusco's so oblivious, and oh, know, any anyone knows they're going to get poisoned yeah, in this it, moment, exactly. except for Cusco. Yeah, exactly. One of my other favorite jokes in this point is um, to dispose of her glass. Yzma throws it into a plant next to her. Mm-hmm. And the plant is like a cactus and it turns into a llama. Yes. It turns into like a llama that's, cactus. There's a lot. So that's what's one, one thing that's funny about this movie is that considering what we talked about with the crazed production and everything, there's still so many good visual jokes. Like, well, it's the thing. It's like, I think the animators like looked at it and was like, huh, just I can make that a... thing. Yeah. And just like threw it in. Because there's, yeah. yeah, there's just a lot of that. A lot of the stuff that's so funny um, in this movie is, is visual. So also kind of hard to describe, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> funny. Um, poisons Cusco, Cusco, llama, thrown thrown into a, a river in a sack. Yeah. <laughs> and then a lot, of, a lot of the movies also Kronk sort of wrestling with his role in all of this. Uh, he's not a bad guy. He's just a, a little dumb and, and works for Isma. Yeah. So ultimately... Um, Cusco ends up with 
he ends up on Pasha's cart. Yeah. 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 And and taken back to Pasha's house, um, which is where he learns for the first time that he has woken up as a um, <laughs> woken up as a llama. And I do I like the part where uh, John Goodman's like, "There's a demon llama." And he, <laughs> Cusco like looks around, and sees the llama on the action yeah. card, and is like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Well, and I also like when he's trying to explain to him that he's a llama, and Cusco doesn't believe him, and he's like, "Go like this," and like wiggles his fingers. And then that's his little his, hooves clap a little, little bit. Hooves. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and of course the, the big misunderstanding that's like in the first half of the movie is that Cusco accuses Pasha of having done this to him because, you know, would have been motivated. The Cusco wanted to come and take away his family's home. So yeah, who could have blamed Pasha if that would have been what he did. But of course he didn't. Cause he's a good guy. Um, who then, basically ends up spending the rest of the movie trying to help Cusco, even though Cusco does not really deserve it. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what the other, like, they they, they go on hijinks back to um, working their way towards the palace. We talked about... Um, they, well, there's a scene in the forest. I mean, there's a scene in the forest with the... Um, squirrel and the Panthers. Where we first meet our squirrel friend. Squeak, squeak. Squeak, squeaks. Uh, my actual favorite part of... The movie is is the little squirrel um, who has a name, Bucky, um, the Kronk squirrel friend. But uh, so <laughs> the little squirrel who they're trying to stay or Cusco is trying to stay quiet to avoid the panthers. And then uh, the squirrel sort of baits him into making a loud noise. And then the panthers show up. It's actually kind uh-huh. of menacing, uh, kind of more menacing than you would expect for this movie. <laughs> um, this movie does not care. Wait, wait, wait. You're you're a squirrel on our cover of our. I am, I am, I am, oh. I am an animated squirrel on our on our podcast artwork. That's uh, purposeful because you're you're a fan of the squirrel. I'm in such this a movie. fan of the squirrel. In this... <sighs> you can speak squirrel as well. I, I can um, squeak, 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 squeaker, squeaky. Um, God, I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> so proud of you guys. Um, <laughs> so great. Um, but so yeah, that's when Pasha comes back and they they end up on the bridge and the rope bridge is breaking and they end up in that cavern and there's that's like very chuck jonesy kind of a lot of visual like peril. like when the when they um when the bridge breaks mm-hmm. they don't fall immediately everything falls around right. and they have to like right. look at each other and then boom yeah i love that Cusco eats so many bats that it flings them up onto yes. the top of the bridge again yep yeah. I always forget like how that happens, but it's literally just he got shot up by a bunch of bats by going bunch into bats. his mouth. Yep, then it goes. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's really good. Um, but really, the the highlight of the film comes after they they avoid all their the death defying uh, things at the bridge and the stream when they get to a diner. You know how there's yeah, a diner yeah. uh, in ancient <laughs> Incan times, um, but the, so the funny thing about this sequence is that you have Pasha and Cusco who end up there, and Kronk and Isma end up there at the same time, but like they're kind of both hiding, but like <laughs> each having yeah they're not like but they're not they don't even know the other ones are there they're just each having their own little uh they're trying to be uh secretive in right. their own way for their own plan right but um 
they don't know that they're specifically because they don't want anyone else to know but they they mainly don't want the others to know yeah they're hiding from each other and is this one uh so Cusco's like dressed up as like a lady basically like he has like a little like lady outfit on um and so him and pasha are pretending to be a couple (laughs) at the diner it's their anniversary, the third anniversary or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, they're like it's their honeymoon or their anniversary or something like that. Um, but I, I'm really partial to uh, all of the Isma and Kronk hijinks at the diner, yes. like the singing "Happy Birthday." Um, I know it's at the end of the sequence, but oh my god, when she marches out and she has the sombrero on, <laughs> it's like maybe my favorite visual in the whole movie is like angry Isma with like her little birthday restaurant sombrero um, chest. Great I mean, the ultimate, like, three stooges or Marx Brothers moment is when Yzma and uh, Kuska, well, somehow, and I don't fully understand, but Kronk ends up as the chef at one part. Yes. And um, both Yzma and Kuska are ordering a side potato, and every time one walks in, changing their order a little bit, mm-hmm. Kronk does that, and he thinks it's the same order as each person walks in. Yeah. And changes it back. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, my other thing is when um, Kronk gets the chef apron and, like, the person lists out that amazingly long order, like, four specials, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, And the final thing is a steak in the shape of a trout. Yes. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, Seriously. Yeah. Um, and so there's eventually... Um, I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong. I watched this yesterday, but I believe that at that point, eventually, like Pasha relate, like sees Isma and Kronk, and like figures out that they're like overhears them and figures out that they're after Cusco, and tells Cusco like, "Hey, these people are here. They're after you." And Cusco naively is still like, "Oh no, that's that's Isma and Kronk. Like that's great. That means I'm saved." And they're my Pasha's buddies. Like, yeah, Pasha's like, "No." You still can't see that, like. Why do you think you turned into a llama? Right, exactly. Like, how do you think this happened? Um, they had, they were trying to poison you. Right. It was like a the the poison for Cusco. The poison specifically to kill Cusco. Cusco's poison. Yes. And so this is this is sort of the big like end of the second act. You know, fight between our our main characters where they part ways. I, again. Wait, wait, wait. We gotta. There's one more gag uh, scene. What gag? It's when Kronk and Yzma go to Poncha's house, mm, 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 mm. and Kronk is double dutching with the kids. Oh my god! Yes. Yzma keeps running in, and like oh every time she runs back in to check I... with Kronk, they're doing a different jump rope. Oh, the I laughed so hard at the jump roping scene, and like <laughs> it's so Pasha. Like I mentioned, he has a family. He has these two like adorable little kids. He has they're like a so little great. boy with like a ponytail, and he has a little girl with a loose tooth. And um, they are just so cute. And yeah, Kronk is just like chilling with them. Just uh... so because, yeah, Isma and Kronk show up at the house saying that like Isma's like his great aunt or something. And then the little boy has this great, 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 great. Yeah. He's calling her like super old. Um, But eventually. um, I like when she finally like cuts him off and he's like. Great, great, great aunt. And he has to add, like, three more still, even though he needs to shut up. Um, But, so, Pasha's wife, Shisha, I guess is her name. um, Okay. 
I know. I didn't remember that. I had to look it up. Um, is like, you know, she's on top of things. She's a pretty uh, savvy lady. They end up locking uh, Isma and Kronk into like a closet that they took the doorknob <laughs> off of. And they animate just Isma and Kronk's eyes, eyes in this. And I love the way Isma's eyes will like bright red and then they'll have like veins and stuff yes. as she gets more and more angry. Yeah. But my favorite part of this is like she's like Kronk, knock the door down. He says, Break it down, are you kidding me? This is hand carved mahogany. Oh god. Yes, that is also a very good uh <laughs> very good Kronk <laughs> moment. Um yeah, that yeah, I, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I almost forgot it. I couldn't remember where that came in, but the the double dutch and the jump roping gags are when, when, when so they good. Sw- when he switches Isma on to doing them both is yes. the funniest part. Yeah, but then when they basically they get Isma to try to run up and break it down, at which point they immediately open the door and she cascades. Um, each kid somehow continuously ends up down the hills, yeah. like immediately with. Covering her in honey and then in feathers and then in bees and then having her fly onto a pinata stand where a bunch of kids beat her up. Yep. I like it. This movie is so much fun. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And it, it really is. It's just it's just like joke, 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 like, you know, zinger and, and visual joke and one after another. Um, but it, it, so it's around this time. After all of those hijinks and, and Pasha and, and Cusco finally sort of realizes that, you know, he's a sad and alone uh, llama and yeah. feels hopeless. We're back to our beginning where, you know, he was sitting alone in the rain <laughs> being a sad llama, probably wondering how I ended up here. Um, but, of course, um, once again, reunites with. Pasha, who I don't think was, was he looking for him this time? Maybe he was. I can't remember if it's if they just bump into each other or if I feel like Pasha's always coming back for. Cusco. They find each other in a group of llamas. In a big group of llamas, exactly. <laughs> ah, um, and so they reconcile. Um, decides to um, go back to the. Okay, so they go to the house. Then they decide to go back to the palace, which gives them a head start because of all the Isma hijinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will quickly say I really like um, the character design on um, Llama Cusco. Yes. And how it sort of fits and how he looks in real life. Yeah. One thing that I meant to say at the top, and I didn't, um, so I'll say it now. This movie would never be made with this cast today, by the way. All of these uh, Incan... <laughs> characters i know they're like not real and it's like a fantasy but like you have just like what reminded me of it is sort of like what the david spade character looks like right as as yeah when he's not a llama and he has like black hair and looks like theoretically like an incan emperor might look like and that the david spade's voice coming out of that character it is the thing is there's no like besides a general look there's no cultural uh like no, I mean just like like, like the, un- unlike Pocahontas or something where sure. they're like trying to utilize other people. Like yeah. really, if you just took like the earrings off and changed his hairstyle, like 
I would never know design. that this was like from some like Incan culture. Yeah, I was gonna say it's basically the, the design. It is. It's like the costume and jewelry design, and then like the sort of you know palace kind of yeah. design. Yeah, this could this could be in like America or right. Asia or it anything. Could, yeah, it could be on like an alien planet. Um, this is an alien planet. <laughs> I was gonna say especially because when they get back to the palace and they they do find Isma's secret laboratory, which is like. <laughs> One of the best one of the best jokes is they go down the little slide and when they fall they like get put into these like costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes. And Isma has her specific one and Kronk has his specific one. But when Cusco and Pancha do it, like they end up in the same costumes and yes. Pancha's got these big Isma earrings and yep. uh Cusco has his big old yeah. Kronk outfit on. They're like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And so this this final act back in the lab and the palace is just nonstop jokes for like the last oh my God. 20 minutes. And this is all like the lever stuff with like pulling the levers and like... Wrong lever. Yeah, conk. yeah. why would you even have that lever? Um, <laughs> well, so- one of the best ones is when they get up to the poison jar mm-hmm. and they like look across like which like uh the different things they go lions tigers bears and then when they get to humans and there's nothing there you just hear uh yzma go oh my yeah, <laughs> yeah because yzma has of course uh you know absconded with or is hiding away the like human potion um <laughs> well this is best joke because the scene before it they're like following each other's like literal lines in the sand yes as they're, it's, this is so brilliant. But um, there's one part where like Isma and Kronk fly over this ledge and eat, they get like electrocuted down, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wait, how'd you get here before us?" And Kronk literally just pulls a map out of nowhere. Is like, against all odds, uh, this should not make sense, but here we are. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, that again, so much meta in this because it's like if you think. I can't remember the actual idea. There's no way this should make any sense. Like, but, oh, well. Like, this is what's happened. Like, okay. I um, mean, and very adult meta stuff. That, ex- like, exactly. No, no kids ever. And I think I pointed this out to you. But, like, there's the part where they're sleeping in the woods. And there's a tiny little tent pitched right above yes. Kronk's crotch. There is. And um, it's like... That is like way... joke, yeah. Um, shout out to Kronk's little teddy bear, who yeah, uh, yeah. has Kronk's little hat. Uh, it's just the best. And also the best line where uh, Kronk like, wakes up out of nowhere and is just like, the peasant in the diner. He didn't, didn't pay his check. There. Right. And then he just falls asleep again. Right. Yeah, you think he's going to recognize the peasant in the diner. And, yeah. Um, but so in this this final, basically the the... Vials get all mixed up, and we get some super high jinxy uh, jokes with people like taking the different uh, potions. So Cusco starts cycling through all kinds of different animals. I love the one he becomes a whale. Yeah, that's <laughs> he just breaks the bridge there. The on. biggest like laugh for me is when like yes. the different ones, and then he like turns into a gigantic whale. Um, the biggest one for me is not even when Cusco gets turned into something. They like turn all the guards into stuff, and what just goes. I'm a cow. Can I go home? And she's like, you're yeah. excused. <laughs> and then she's like, anyone else? And they're like, nah, no, we're all good. Yeah. I'm a turtle. I'm an octopus. Yeah. Whatever. I yeah. don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm a on. cow. Can I go home? Is <laughs> What is that joke? Like, it's so funny. There isn't it's, a joke. There's no joke there. What? It's just, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, and then, so, <laughs> then Isma um, gets... The po- gets a vial of potion and um, it turns her into a tiny kitty. 
<laughs> and she's so cute. But they kind of think that they have uh, won the day. But, you know, a uh, cat can jump on you and scratch you up real good. So mm-hmm. that there is still a struggle. Um, at one point around this time, and this is not a complaint this is just cartoon logic but like the vials is going like bouncing all the way down and around and sliding and you're just like that's not how any of that would work (laughs) that vial would have shattered like 18 bounces ago yeah Um, no but one one of the best jokes in this part is uh the vial falls down and Oh no! They they knock the cat off the ledges of this yes. on the, hanging on the top of this pile, and the cat is cat Yisma is going down, and then it just cuts to this guy that's like w- talking to this guard, and he's like, "I don't know why you ordered ten trampolines," and he's like, "Well, you could have t- told me before I unloaded this first trampoline and set it up." The cat just goes boom. Oh, yep. Yeah, it is still okay. So because yeah, so when they're they're fighting and Isma's scratching and then they sort of toss her and Kronk um, has opened a window and so that's when she goes flying out and then we're not gonna have a splattered uh, Isma cat in this children's cartoon. So. Well, it's so funny because she's like she finally gets the violin. She's like I won and then Kronk sends everything because she threw Kronk down a yes. down a trap door and he's like what are the odds that this trap door would lead me out here. Um, so many good croc moments. Oh, we forgot in the final battle, there's a moment where the, the angel and devil on his shoulders finally come back. Mm-hmm. And as always, they're arguing about what he should do. And they both finally agree like mm-hmm. that they should take out Yzma mm-hmm. because she like insults the spinach puffs. Yes. yes. Like that's the breaking point. That's and what turns. Th- yeah. This unites the devil and the angel themselves. Oh, yeah, I have no, yeah, I neglected to mention the running gag about Kronk's devil and angel on his shoulders. <laughs> and which are very and funny. when they're trying to figure out how to get Yzma, the angel goes like, from above, the evil will receive justice. They both look up and there's this massive chandelier. Yep. And they're all like, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> and, Kronk cuts the chandelier and uh, tries to drop it on her. Yeah, I do like the the angel and devil. Or yeah, there's a whole thing earlier about like you're wearing a dress and yeah, that's cute. <laughs> I like one of the reasons he should do bad stuff is because the devil could do one handstand. Exactly. Push-ups. Yeah. Why should I? Do? Because I can do this. And then he's like, yeah. <laughs> um, so after they get Isma out of there, Cusco gets turned back into a human, um, and then we get a really like nice happy ending he decides to he he realizes that there's a a hill right next to pasha's hill and he doesn't need to build his house on that one he can build it on the one next door so they also like that it's not kuzkotopia it's just like a hut exactly yeah it's just it's like pretty much the the same size like it just yeah yeah um and so they they get to be a, a little little hilltop neighbor buddies um and we see them like hanging out together and uh, you know, living happily ever after. Yzma um, <laughs> joins the squeaky scouts. And then the Kronk is a scout leader teaching little kids, including Pasha's kids, how to speak squirrel uh, with Isma as the cat, a reluctant member of the uh, squeaky, sc- squeaky scouts, um, and gets her little, like, squeaking <laughs> at the end, and it's so good. I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah. So, uh, and then we get our weirdly dissonant uh sting song but yeah good 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 little movie no complaints best little movie yeah very fun um yeah uh, we talked a little bit about who who did you decide is your favorite of our four main characters voice performance 
kind of think I think John Goodman's fourth, which is kind of insane to say. But, and he, he just he doesn't really get any jokes. He has like zero jokes. Is the problem? He's, yeah. he's really good, but he's he's, he's so good. He's and like what we were talking playing, about, he's just playing like a nice guy. Like yeah, but you you mentioned yesterday in the yeah. chat, like is John Goodman like the best actor voice actor? Like, yeah, of like all celebrity time? voice actor. Like so obviously not a yeah. trained voice actor, but someone who's a celebrity from something else, but who just like low key, you know, between this and and Monsters Inc. and even that like dinosaur movie that people like, like he's, he's just so good. Like he knows how to do it. Yeah. Brings, brings a lot of humanity to these larger than life animated characters. I kind of think David Spade is maybe the most impressive just because like, I, I don't think I like David Spade in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's very so. good in this. It's surprising. But it's really between Eartha Kitt and Patrick Warburton. Yeah, I just think and that's just because I just think Patrick Warburton's so funny, but that's just because Kronk is so funny. Like the two of mm-hmm. them are definitely like, yeah, top. Spot. I'll say Eartha Kitt has the better performance, though. Sure. I'll go Eartha Kitt. That's yeah. I really had to do process of elimination. Yeah, there to Patrick decide. Warburton's They're all four my perfect. favorite, but that's just because Kronk rules. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Kronk quote that you want to share? It's a good question. Did we cover all of them? I think we covered all of them. I well, didn't... we didn't cover the 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 peasants from the village, and if we find the village, we find him. We find him. We find Cusco. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. Yeah. No, I think I think we covered all of them because I I really yeah I really like the I'm so proud of you guys um, and the the peasant at the diner didn't pay his bill like yeah just just so many good moments. They're all good. A lot of great jokes. Yeah. Um, you know, rate and review. Oh yeah. Um, thumbs up. Thumbs up. And then this is this is four stars for me. Four, four, four. stars. Woo! Perfect Excellent. movie. Yeah. It does seem that <clears throat> Disney is doing a live action Empress New Groove. Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. This is a bit this time. Article of May thirty first, twenty twenty one. They're in talks. They're, it's not very far in development. It looks like it's just like sort of pre-production planning. So maybe they won't officially pick it up. Interesting. Uh, no, I, I fully believe that every single one is in consideration. You know what I mean? Like, I, I truly think that every single Disney film is somebody is working on a live action adaptation for it. Can't wait for the fun and fancy free one. Yeah. I mean, there's certain, like, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Can the reason, oh my God, it's already 11.15. Okay. We're going to have a focus, <laughs> go. a focus talk about Lilo and Stitch. You ready? Yeah. All right. Let, so one of the first things I wanted to talk about with Lilo and Stitch was um, the ad campaign that happened, actually. Do you remember the ad campaign? I don't. So basically, they took scenes from classic Disney movies. The one I remember best uh, is Beauty and the Beast, and where put it's like stitch into them. Yeah. Yes, I do. Remember and that. it's an interesting way knowing the movie. Like you know, like this is no longer going to be a, a Renaissance or a classical era Disney cartoon. Mm-hmm. This can be a cartoon about a psychotic alien thing. Yeah, it's, on Earth. it's Stitch as an agent of chaos, basically. Like, which you know, it's that's that's good advertising. I, I really like that. It's one of the very few advertisements I think that stuck with me that I can like remember from when I was a kid. Yeah, I said I didn't remember it, but as soon as you started describing it, I'm like, okay, no, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is memorable. 
So basically this movie opens with uh, Stitch. He uh, sort of is created by this doctor to be in like this unstoppable force of nature. And he's just kind of this cute, cuddly little thing. <sighs> but uh, he breaks out of the spaceship he's in and um, he hijacks the red police cruiser. Specifically the red one. Yes. Uh, he goes into hyperdrive or whatever. And great joke from the beginning, which is when uh, they realize he's about to land on the planet Earth. And um, they're like, <laughs> he's going to land in water. His bone, his uh, molecular density is too strong. He'll die there. And it just slowly Hawaii gets into focus. Right. And they're like, oh, you've got to be fucking <laughs> kidding me. Yeah, because there, there is a recurring theme that he cannot, he cannot swim. Um, mm-hmm. he cannot, he cannot swim or float in water. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, basically there's, after this kind of crazy opening, yeah. we get what is inherently like the opening credits, which are one of my favorite opening credits. Um, did you see the first fish that we, did you recognize the first fish that we see at this moment? No. There's a little orange fish carrying a peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> Okay. Does it like look like a little Nemo fish or? No, 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 no. no. This is a little. It's. Well, I mean, do you remember when Lilo, why Lilo's late for her dance recital? Oh yes. Because she wants to go feed Pudge the fish because all they had was tuna. Yeah. You can't fish feed Pudge tuna. Has a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Do you know what tuna is? Fish. It's fish. How old is Lilo supposed to be, by the way? I think six or seven. Okay. Because um, that, that tracks for, like, sort of her behavior. But then sometimes, like, her size makes her look like she's three. <laughs> like, like, she's like, tiny. tiny. Like, her, her sister, like, picks her up and sort of carries her like a baby. And I'm like, <laughs> this child is clearly, like, yeah, six or seven. But she's, like, I mean, she's a cartoon. Whatever. But I just yeah. was just, like, she's so cute. But, yeah. I, I want to start with talking about Pudge the Fish because I think the the main greatness of this movie is how much depth of flaws and sadness the movie is able to get out of its characters. Mm-hmm. So do you remember why she feeds Pudge the Fish the, the, the sandwich? I do not. Because he controls the weather. She, she, do you remember how her says, parents she die? Says lo- she says a lot of things in this movie. Yeah, but why? do you remember why her parents die? In an accident? Because it's raining. So, like, from the very first thing, we start building up this, like, character dimension where it's, like, she, like, throws everything aside to do this ridiculously stupid thing because she believes it's going to keep her sister safe because the weather already killed her parents. You can get a Pudge the Fish Funko. (laughs) I love the idea that I'm trying to build up this whole amazing character aspect. And you're just like... Looking at, I was looking at Lilo and Stitch merchandise, and then I was looked up Pudge the Fish, and there's quite a bit of Pudge, a lot, a lot of, a lot of Pudge with his sandwich uh, uh, merchandise you can get. But yes, no, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. I, I that that to, was a great, that was a great um, aside. It is. I, I'm gonna have to make some asides because this movie is desperately sad. Um, oh, it's it's horribly sad. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I've seen a lot of sad movies recently. Like, the Coker trilogy was pretty sad. But, like, genuinely the saddest movie I think I've seen recently is Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, and I think that is probably one of the reasons why, because we've talked about this in other movies before, I have a really hard time. Well, one, I often think movies are too sad. And I also don't like 
movies that I feel like are like getting in your face with how sad they are and like this, oh, okay. this is sad right this is making you feel sad isn't it isn't this terrible and I'm just like especially like in an animated movie um did you feel that with this movie I, f- I felt it a little bit um because this this is a movie I think that does it really well it doesn't, it doesn't feel like like inside out because every I'm, sadness I'm gonna bring up the inside out thing. yeah 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 <laughs> but like every sadness comes very quick and does it in like it does it in a short like one of my favorite lines is when after this big fight at the beginning, um, Nani comes up to Lilo's bed, and Lilo just says this quick line that's like, "I like you better than a sis- as a sister than, than a mom. mother." Yes, no, that's yeah. And it, it like it's it's a really cutting line, and they do it without like any big crying or like any big emotions or it's just like this. It's it feels very so, real. That's, well, that's to me, yeah. I mean, I, so I guess I can't really. Hold it against the movie, um, but it, it feels like too real um, in a lot. Yeah, of but I, I guess the the emotions never feel heightened to the point that it's feeling really manipulative just to me. Like, oh my god, jumping ahead, but like it's just like, and we talked about this too when they're taking her away. Like, like I'm just, like, what movie am I watching? If I had seen this <laughs> as a child, I would have flipped out. Like, I. Yeah. I, I, and again, a lot of it takes you, you. You're seeing a lot from it from Leo's perspective, or no, you're seeing it from Stitch's perspective from a distance right. for most of that point. And there's maybe two or three lines said by Bubbles where he's just like, "Is is this what she needs?" And he points to the burned down house. Fucking harrowing. Like, and again, it's like three lines, and it, it goes pretty quickly. Right. But like, and it does cut to Leo in the car, and she can hear Nani and Bubbles like arguing. Oh my god, yeah. that cut! It is. It's. Brutal, like, and again, not incredibly well done. But I just, yeah, if I had watched this at like six years old, I, I probably would traumatized. I would have been traumatized. Like, I, I was one of those. Like, there were multiple times when I was a kid where, like, during a movie, I would be like, I want to leave. Like, I don't yeah, like this. It's, I, it's, it's this too is too scary, upsetting. Too yeah, sad. It, like always, like an animated movie. So, like, I don't like this. I want to go. And my mom would usually like take me in the hallway and be like, "Do you really want to go, or did you just want to like come out here for five minutes and then go back in and finish it? Because you know it's going to have a happy end, you know." And so she would always like talk me yeah, down, yeah. and you know, because if we leave, then we can't come back again. <laughs> like, there was a lot of that when I was a kid. Um, yeah, but and it, it's a fair point. Like, yeah, Mufasa's dead, but like, oh, he's going to get scarred in the end, right? And I think I've I've probably told my my Lion King um, story on this <laughs> podcast but when I saw it in theaters, and I was like eleven. And there was like a four-year-old little boy sitting in front of me who, when Mufasa died, turned to his mom and was like, where's daddy? Where did daddy go? And I was like, oh, I'm watching a child be traumatized in real time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, cause I, yeah, I was like 10, so I was old enough to be like, okay, this is sad, but I see what's happening. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. oh that, ki- that kid is uh, <laughs> going to learn, Does some, not understand he's gonna learn some stuff about death. Um, well, the, the great thing is, like, this is a classic, like, Disney thing, like, we have to kill the parents. Right. Um, but, like, well, instead of, like, this scene where, like, we have to flash back and see them die yeah. in, like, the accident, or, like, maybe that's, like, the opening scene of the movie to yeah. set up, like, where... No, there's just this one part where Stitch, Stitch looks at this photograph, and all Lilo says is, that's my parents. Mm-hmm. They went for a drive, and it was raining. And then it, that's it. She doesn't elaborate. Well, and it's chilling. And I think what... Like, and so I think what makes it so, like, because like I said, okay, parents are always dying and like that's always scary and sad, but like it, that at least feels pretty heightened, pretty removed from the real world or like in this case it happens off screen. But that's what makes the stuff in the at the end there when 
Nani and Lila were being separated, like it just it feels so real. Like you're like, no, that's that really happens. Like I, that could happen yeah. to someone you know. Like yeah, it, I think this is too. This is too. I know there's an alien running around, but like this is <laughs> too real world upsetting. <laughs> the, all the human interactions are like really a little too real because like. I think the interaction. I mean, and there like, was when, that. When Nani can't get a job, there's a whole montage of her not able to get a job. I'm like, this is. And it's, it, the me thing out. is, it's so funny, but it's like, oh my god, if she doesn't get a job, she's gonna lose Lilo. Exactly, and then the when she keeps are... failing and Stitch like destroys stuff, like for some reason, Bubbles has to be there and sees yeah. it. And that's what he says, like Nani, I'm coming in the morning. Right, you, this again, is it's it. like yeah. for some reason, these simple lines where he's just like, "I see you in the morning," he just walks away, and it's like you. You know what's happening, but they don't have to like get it to be like. Right. I'm taking your sister away now. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So one of my other favorite parts of this movie is, and granted, I'm not saying they did all of the cultural stuff too well because there wasn't a lot of like um, indigenous or um, Polynesian Mm -hmm. voices sort of on on this film. Mm -hmm. Although uh, Nani and David are both played by uh, Hawaiian. Actually, yes. which is good. Um, but I, I love the distinction between, you know, what is their regal, real culture and what is their, like, performed culture. Right. Because they're in a touristy yeah, place. Yeah, they, they work at, like, a like a little restaurant a little show luau. kind of place, luau show. Yeah. David, the guy that has a crush on Nani, is, like, a like fire breather. Fire, yeah, fire dancer, fire breather, yeah. She, she wears, like, a skimpy, like, Hawaiian mm-hmm. sort of yeah. waitress costume with a lei. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, but I love how much like culture is built into their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, don't, I know you don't have any siblings, but it's there's a great fight sequence between Nani and Lila where they're just like yelling at each other, "Go to your room. I'm already in my room." <laughs> but on the room, did you see there what was written there? Mm-mm. It's the word kapu. Okay. And kapu was a historical um, sort of thing back in the eighteen. 18- it got abolished in the early 1800s, but it was that adults and children and men and women could not eat together. Uh, okay. And this would also cause rifts and quite often violence between people that would break the kapu. Mm-hmm. And so there is this inherently historical Hawaiian thing in their household that is defining how they're living their lives, mm-hmm. which is their sisters and they're trying to be a parent and a daughter. And yeah. it's like, no, it's not working. And my other favorite moment is after Bubbles says, like, I need to take... I'll see you in the morning. Yeah. Um, uh, Nani sits Lilo down in this hammock and, sa- and says, I'm going to sing you Aloha Oi. Yeah. Nope. Too too much. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and do, do you know what Aloha Oi is? I mean, I'm familiar with the song. Yeah. So, but do you know what the context of the song no. is? So the song was written by the final queen of Hawaii. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, she it was written as a farewell to Hawaii before she was taken away mm-hmm. from her th- seat at the, th- right. at the throne, yeah. and the Brit- and then Britain invaded right. and, and colonized Hawaii. Um, so the fact that she's singing that just as Bubbles is about to come in and take Lilo, um, it's it's incredibly potent. This yeah. like uh, cultural thing that is able to show up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean that that is really tear jerky. That that is probably the most we're gonna make you feel sad moment that, in the movie. Yeah. But I'm glad it's not in a moment where like it's we're taking her away or something. It's just a moment that these two people get to share. Have together. Anything serious happens. Right. Um God. Yeah. It, 
it's real sad. It it's is. a sad movie. It really is. Um, but it does it does make like, you know, it also, just like Ember's New Groove, does end with like sort of twenty minutes of like straight up chase scene hijinks uh activity at the end. Well, so. I, I was gonna argue that Stitch and Emperor's New Groove are quite similar movies. There is a rogue, crazy a-hole mm-hmm. that's inherently bad mm-hmm. who meets a person that shows them how to be good. Mm-hmm. There is a, a elegant old woman that is trying to chase them down. Mm-hmm. Although, better... Um... Better redemption for uh, the grand, whatever her title is, the grand yeah, I mean, in this one. I love that there's really no bad guy in this no, movie. No, really. everyone just is There's crazy. people trying to change down Stitch, but they're doing it because, right. like, Stitch is a problem. Right. They, they, Stitch really should not be running wild on Earth. That is that is a problem. Bub- Bubbles is trying to take Lilo away from Nani, right. but, like, at the same time, it's like... He is They're sisters, and Nani doesn't know how to run a household. Right. Yeah. She doesn't have a job. Like, you know, you sort of... Yeah. There's, I mean, as much as I love Yzma, but, like, it's kind of nice that everyone's just sort of, like, a character in and of themselves, and there's not, like, this right. cackling old woman. It works in what Emperor's New Groove is. In this, it works that everyone is just sort of their own character trying to do what they need to do. And right. Genuinely, everyone is kind of in the right in the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, I love Ving Rhames in this movie. He is so perfectly cast yeah. as Cobra Bubbles, and he just looks like Ving Rhames. No, it's so funny, and like he's the first time we see him, we get the like shot, like the shot of the back of his head in the car, and it's, you're just like, yeah, that's, that's oh, it's Ving Rhames, yeah, <laughs> like literally before he says a word, before you see his face, you're like, oh, okay, so that's Ving Rhames, huh? <laughs> well, the most maddening thing to me is um, with the uh, live action movie. I saw like all these like, um, you know, fan casting things, and everyone's like. Oh, it's got to be Samuel L. Jackson to play Cobra Bubbles. And it's like, no, Ving Rhames is right there. It's just Ving Rhames. They're probably the same age. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (sighs) I think absolutely. Yeah. And Ving, like that that role is made for Ving Rhames. I love the part where uh, he goes down to shake Lilo's hand and she goes, you have Cobra written on your knuckles. Have you killed someone before? And he goes, we're getting off subjects. I know, so good. Um... I also love the way that they set up Lilo's character that um, she has this doll, which is about the most ugly looking thing in the entire universe, which she calls a rabbit. I love ugly dolls. Like, yeah. And all, so with her little, she has this group of little like clicky friends from her dancing class. And at one point they they are all playing with their dolls and they all have dolls that look like them. So the dark hair, the girls with dark hair, their dolls have dark hair. The red haired girl is a red haired doll. The blonde girl is a blonde haired doll. And then Lilo's doll. Well, Lilo has a messed up doll that is falling apart at the yeah. seams. I wonder what if that's supposed to represent. Yeah, so, cute. so there is, um, there is this uh, game that I like to play on on Jackbox. It's called like Trivia Murder Party. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a tra- Jackbox trivia game, but it's like set at like a haunted hotel or whatever. But all all the people who play the characters are represented by basically different little dolls that look like that. Like that's the first. Yeah, thing yeah. Like I say, yeah. Have you seen that? They have like like the crazy eyes and they're all misshapen and it's like oh lilo's doll looks like an evil little doll it's so sad i love when um they like say like lilo's doll is ugly and then they ride away and lilo like angrily throws down the doll in the mud and runs away and then it just like holds on the shot for like five or ten extra seconds and then lilo comes running back and hugs the doll and it's like oh 
Yeah, I, I will say th- those girls are so mean, uh, which also oh stresses me worst. out. Except for then, it, it's always undercut because then they like ride away, and like the the mean the, the meanest one, the redheaded one, is on like a big wheel. So it's like she's really mean, yes. and then she like big wheels off. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, I can't be too stressed out by these mean tiny children. Um, so I think the two characters we haven't really talked about so far um, are the two main ones that are initially cha- chasing our yes. two heroes mm-hmm. down um, from the Alien Federation. One is called Dr. Jumba Jokiba, mm-hmm. and the other one is Agent Wendell Pleakley. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's an exact moment in this movie that comes straight out of the diner scene where... Uh, Dr. Jumba and Pleakley are dressed up as a couple with Pleakley in like full, you know, uh, female... Lady lady wear, yeah. Yeah, it's literally like uh, Cusco in the diner. And I was like, there's a lot of similarities between these two movies. Um, That is true. Yeah. Yeah, so there's basically three sort of authority groups running around. There's... There's like the Galactic Federation, who is um, with the Grand Councilwoman and all the ships and everything. Then you have um, Jumba, who cre- created Stitch, um, mm-hmm. and Wendell, who's like the agent with him. And they're sort of chasing <laughs> Stitch on the side. And then obviously you have um, Bubbles and, you know, the, the sort of human. So you have like these sort of three authority figures that are kind of coming at Lilo yeah. and Stitch and Nani from all sides. Um, like you said, and what's fun about that is that, yeah, none of them are like, well, those are the evil people. No, they just all have their own different, like, the Galactic Federation just wants to get Stitch, but, like, Zumba kind of, like, needs to get him, or Jumba needs to, like, get him first. Because, <laughs> like, he's sort of the one who's Yeah, because that, that would free him. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they everyone just has their own, uh, their own understandable motivations. Mm-hmm. Um... So let's get to the funner part of the story, yeah. <laughs> which is the scene where uh, Stitch arrives on Earth Yes, because <laughs> it's a falling star. Yeah. But it's this giant green explosion that happens right outside their house. Yeah. And Nani just doesn't react. I'm like, Nani, I guess Lilo like, thinks this is a falling star, but like... Right, something exploded outside your window. And then Lilo prays for God to give him the give her the nicest, most gentle angel in the world, and then it just cuts to this part where Stitch leaps out of the ground yeah. and is like backlit looks like this evil bug. Stitch can look very scary, which is what's so funny, because he can look so ad- we're talking about how adorable he is, but like when he's in like full, like angry alien mode, he can look pretty scary. <laughs> and then he gets run over by it like about four or five semis, like in a row yeah. just each one just running him over and there's this frog watching Stitch like huh but anyway this okay. sends uh, Stitch yeah. to a pound yes yeah he gets sent sent to a like dog pound yeah where uh, Nani and Lilo are to pick up a dog mm-hmm. um and um a lot of, a lot, of hi- yeah. a lot of hijinks here Stitch is kind of going in and out of the <laughs> pound like escaping out and then going back in and uh, I, I love the part where um, Nani's about to pay the $2 for Stitch, mm-hmm. and um, Lilo says, like, no, I want to pay. And so Nani hands Lilo the money. Lilo taps Nani with the money and hands the money to Nani, and then Nani finally hands it over. Yeah. Well, hey, I, it becomes very important uh, who paid for yes, Stitch it does. $2, so, you know. Um, 
It's cute. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good hijinks, a lot of stitch destroy. I love the part. There's multiple moments in this movie where they put live action stuff into the movie. And one of them is when Stitch sees what I think is them, the bug yeah, monster them, movie. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also, like, that always throws me off. I mean, I, I'm not, like, against it, but it is always, like, whoa, when a movie does that. They have a they have a picture of Elvis later on that is, like, a picture of Elvis, <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Um, and, and the best thing about the Elvis, and I read this earlier, but uh, Bubbles, he says to Stitch that he needs to be a model citizen, and um, the way Lilo thinks to teach Stitch how to be a model citizen is to act like Elvis Presley. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, if you know the the, the cultural context, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and uh, the the other really weird one that came out of nowhere is when we were talking about like it's important that Lila was the one to buy Stitch. It's because when the Galactic Federation comes back, they're like, we're gonna have to take Stitch away. It's the it's, rules. It's we can't do anything law. about it. Yeah, and then Cobra Bubbles is like. Lilo, uh, you you own Stitch. They can't take because yeah. they're doing it begrudgingly at this point because they see Stitch has changed right. and has a house, and this is, a family. Right? And yeah, and it's like this is his family, and so yeah, she's like, I have no choice. It's like I don't want to, but the rules say. And so then, yeah, Lilo has her receipt basically, and it's like he. But her receipt me. is like live action with type font, and there's a live action like a Hawaiian yeah. flag seal on yeah, it. It's like whoa, yeah. that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it really does jump out at you. <laughs> So, but it's, yeah, like, again, not, I don't think it's bad at all, but it is an interesting stylist, <clears throat> excuse me, stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we need to talk a little bit about Ohana. It does mean family. And family means you don't get left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or forgotten. Yeah. Very And sweet. I love the first time um, Nani is about to throw out Stitch, like, literally throw Stitch out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically... Lilo just says Ohana and then Nadi stops right. and Stitch is like, wait, what? Right. Well, like Stitch, Stitch learns I'm, this trick. Stitch is like, oh. Well, I mean it's it's kind of wonderful. Yeah, it's like it is. if if you teach a dog it's like a like a recall yeah. or a reward. It's like he learns that the word Ohana yeah, later on when he, which means family is good. Right. Exactly. And like this is what sets up his like yeah. sort of path to redemption. Right, like, yeah, and later on when yeah, when she's blaming him for everything and you know, can say Ohana and it's like, oh. He gets it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like um, they do a great like animation work with like Stitch like going crazy. But as soon as he hears Ohana and Nani stops, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, it is funny. I think they do a really good job with like sort of the Stitch redemption art because he's he's so wild at the beginning and like so like such an agent of chaos and so kind of terrifying. And then he's, like, so sweet in the middle that by the end you sort of forget, like, oh, yeah, no, there was a reason why he was being hunted because he was, like, attacking everything. And he's a murder everything. monster. He's yeah. inherently a murder yeah. monster. He's a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. and so it, it does a good job of sort of making you forget that. So you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's his deal. Yeah. Um, I do love when uh, the... Um, there's this big alien captain that shows up, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, which is just one of the greatest voice actors of all time. Um, is that um, the guy who looks like a shark? Yes. He's like a literal walking shark. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. This movie has awesome character designs. Um, he, like, steals Lilo and Stitch, and he walks past Nani, and Nani doesn't know that Stitch is an alien at this point. Right. 
But he sees a she sees a massive thirty foot tall shark kidnap her sister and Stitch, and I was just like, "What is going through Nani's head right now?" Is they he loads him them into a spaceship? Yeah. But uh, yeah. She she handles it well enough to get to get them back. Um, the, there was a something I did have to write down though, mm-hmm. and is a, is a weird note to make when watching Lilo and Stitch, but. That note was nine eleven. You did. You did show me that you made a note that just said nine eleven. So, do you know the story about nine eleven with this movie? I do not. So, when the shark dude kidnaps Lilo, and then they get uh, Pleakley and Juba's ship, mm-hmm. and they like track them down and get them back. Um, they didn't originally do that. Originally, they hijacked seven forty seven. Ah, they. They flew into Honolulu. Okay. And the plane crashes into a building. So they had to uh, take all that out. Yes. That's so funny. Yes, I know. I thought I knew. There's because there's so many movies like that where they had to take stuff out, change things, redo. And they things. they had finished all the. And you can watch that scene online, and it's wow. like, that's weird. Yeah. No. There's. I mean that, that. There's just so many things like that because, like, yeah, plane hijackings and plane crashes like are such were such a staple of like action movies and action scenes in movies and TV shows that like or yeah. even just like Independence Day let's destroy big landmarks destroy like we didn't big. see that after 9/11 for 5 or 10 years yeah 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 no they, exactly they had to stop stop destroying recognizable buildings and stop having people mm-hmm. hijack or intentionally crash airplanes um that is amazing that they had to do that that's crazy I, I can't believe I didn't it's know a, that either. It's amazing that they hijack a seventy forty seven, run it into a building. Yeah, that is one of those things where I'm like, you know, I'm not sure we need that in a kids movie. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a joke. They blow up a house. I and, know it's true. Yeah. Um, one of the things. Oh, I forgot to mention that. That's right. But there's one part where there's this recurring gag about a tourist mm-hmm. who has a horrible uh, tan. Uh. And mint chocolate chip ice cream all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time he's around Lilo, his ice cream falls off. Yeah. Um, the first one is one of my fa- is my favorite though because I love that Lilo takes pictures yeah, of tourists that's what I like. I instead like of like too. Yeah. tourists taking pictures yeah. of like her. Yeah, when she takes the picture and he's standing there and then his ice cream goes and falls down. <laughs> I like that. And um, <laughs> she's just holding like pictures of all these like. You know, slubbery tourists like doing bland touristy shit. And he's like, she's like, aren't they beautiful, Stitch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but in the final scene, there's another one where the ship goes along this corner, and like this guy's obviously hidden out in the most secluded place he can, so he doesn't get to have his nice crew knocked down. And the wing of the ship as it's going through this cavern mm-hmm. just takes the ice cream clean off. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I like that part. Um, basically, though, they, they get, Stitch escapes himself because, again, he's a, he's a weapon Mm -hmm. of mass destruction. But, uh, he, he gets Lilo by driving a gas tank into a volcano, which he lights on fire to explode and shoot himself through. Yeah, it, 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 it's like it's for new new yeah. new it escalates. Sort of yeah, except for like yeah, with even like times ten because we have outer space creatures involved and spaceships and stuff. 
I like that when he like gets blown through the window mm-hmm. of the guy's ship, he just screams aloha. <laughs> Yeah. But this movie ends like a romance movie because basically Stitch breaks Lilo out of this glass container and she's like, you came back for me. And he's like holding her like it would be in a romance movie. But it's like, a, it's it's a romance between like yeah. these Good two friends. like, yeah, friends or siblings or yeah. whatever they really are. This movie also ends like E.T. if E.T. got to stay at the end of E.T. and didn't have yes. to go back on the ship. Thank God. <laughs> Seriously, uh, yeah, that, that that to me was a uh, a big relief that uh, you have to say. Um, I do like uh, so you know one of the th- one of the sort of suspension of disbelief things here is that even when Stitch is uh, hiding himself, that anyone would think Stitch was a dog. Um, but I do like that Stitch can sort of like go in and out of like he can just like a weird four legged creature, but then he can like really go big. I just like when. Um, when Lilo has been taken before they rescue her, um, and he has to like oh. show Nani, and he goes like what? <laughs> and he just like explodes everything all at once, and that's when she realizes and she starts beating him yeah, with a. Like, yeah, what does she beat him with? Like she starts this like on him. with like a stick with leaves on yes. it. But my my favorite part is she's like, I know you can talk. Where is she? And he just like he's like trying not to like talk to her, but like he finally turns and goes. Okay, okay. And then she just, like, <laughs> golf clubs him. Right, yeah, when he, like, really starts talking. Um, it is also it's funny. It's so funny. Lilo also, or Stitch also, like, doesn't talk at all for, like, the first two acts, and then the third act gets real chatty. <laughs> oh, my God, he doesn't shut I, I do, I kind of find that, and I'm like, okay, maybe he could talk a little bit less. He's, oh, like, no, 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 like I love like it. I mean, I like his, like, sort of little speech at the end about his found family. Um, like, they're yeah. my family. I found them. Like, that's... I, I would not trade that. Um, it's broken, but it's yeah. good. Um, also, want to call out uh, my favorite, although it does get very sad, but I, I love the surfing scene. Um, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It looks and, great. Um, and hold on. Let me see. There's a person that sings the opening song and then the song... During that scene, um, his name is Mark Kili Ho'omalu. God, I hope I said uh, that I right. I was going to say, I, I... But he's a Hawaiian chanter, and it oh, okay. oh, sounds amazing. Okay. And they have uh, like a group of schoolgirl oh, chorus behind him. schools children's chorus. Nice. Yeah, and so he sings Hey Meili No Lilo as the opening song in Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride for the... Uh, surfing scene. Yeah. They're gorgeous songs. Yeah, they're really good. Um, but that, um, yeah, that surfing scene it, it, until you know the end when it starts getting uh, drowning, scary, and that sort of what pre- precipitates a lot of the you know things are going to go wrong from there. Um, but it's and it's then really it's nice like scene. we got to get rid of Stitch, and now because of that, Lilo has to get separated from Nandi. Right, and, just, and then it's the yeah. I think you got distracted for twenty minutes there talking about the Zadie um, Stitch stuff and the ending, but um, yeah. Sad movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. It's pretty economical, though. The movie's like 80 minutes and yeah. kind of naturally goes back and forth between being silly mm-hmm. kid stuff and really mature. Things. But I think it's because, like, they set up Nani and Stit, and maybe not Stit, but Nani and Lilo and David so well as just, like, Cubans who have sadness, but they're not, you know, like, they're also good at beat funny and stuff mm-hmm. i love the part where lilo kicks nani out of her bedroom and 
is like trying to push her and Nani's like, oh no, the gravity is going yeah. strong on me. And she's like, no, it's not. You did this yesterday. <laughs> and it just adds a lot of like these like little gags that they'd have for each yeah, other. Yeah, like the little. To mess with each other. Yeah, yeah feels Love very, feels very realistic. Very realistic uh, relationship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Good movie. Oh, we, we got to talk about the end credits too. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the, the end credits freaking rule. Um, so, are you a Winona Judge fan? Oh, yeah. Judd fan? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, actually, I was a big Winona Judd fan, like back in the '90s. Like, uh, uh, where I like listened to country music and was was a big Winona um, fan. But now, h- very... help me understand this because I don't know this. Is is Birdie in Love written for the movie, or oh, is this no, just a popular song that's, of hers? That, no, that's no, that's an Elvis cover. That's a cover of an Elvis oh, song. That's okay. what's so gotcha. interesting about it um, is that it is, because, again, watching it and when I was finishing it this morning and Matt stops, he goes, so they play like 10 Elvis songs, but this one they decide to use a cover for? And I was like, I don't know why. Uh, I think <laughs> I love the, the song that they play, though. Yes. I, I think it's a good, if it's a cover. It is a, I don't it's think a, I know the Elvis a, song it's original. It's a cover. Um, yeah, it's, um, I'm trying to, let me see. Click, click, click. It's a late Elvis song. It's from 72. So it's... I didn't even know he was alive in 72. (laughs) Elvis Presley died in 77. Yeah, later than I think. It's weird to think that... Elvis died like was had only died seven years before I was born. Like you know what I mean? Like that actually seems oh, pretty yeah. weird. That like, well, the the same thing happens with me with Kurt Cobain. Is I think Kurt Cobain seems like something that like never existed and was just this, like mythical figure yeah. that died. That that like it's like weird. Like they were always dead. Right. I don't he, know if that he, makes he, any but, sense. Yeah, but he died like right before you were born. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, "Burn in Love," a very silly song. Um, but I associate it, like, I don't know if Wikipedia will, or maybe it will tell me. Um, it gets used a lot in, like, it's in a lot of movies, like, in comedies. It's I think it's been used in a lot of, like, commercials and things. It's just, um, yeah, it's just kind of like a goofy song. But it is a, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a later Elvis song, and so it's a Winona cover. Of, um, she performed it really she's well. Right. Um, yeah, I, I know Judd is is fun. Um, you know she's uh, the the actress Ashley Judd's sister, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do know I don't that. know how much he knows um, about the Judds or. I, I don't. I, there is very. That might be everything I know about the Judds. Well, <laughs> fair, fair. I have ran out on Judd information yeah, for you. There's, there's uh, the Judd. There, there was a band called the Judds, which were Naomi and then her daughter Winona, and then. Sister Ashley is the actress. It's like a whole, mm-hmm. whole performing family. Um, but the mom is famous too. I mean, she just was in a band with Winona Judd before Winona broke off. So the Judds were okay. a, a singing group, and then Winona went off by herself after that. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Well, you know, nineties pop country, eighties and nineties pop country stuff. You know, sure. Um, but yeah, not an era I'm familiar with. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, Burn in Love, very fun. That and. And so I did appreciate, even though uh, the movie really puts you through the ringer, you get this really sort of joyful closing credits sequence that's well, amazing. It reminds me a lot of the end of Emperor's New Groove. They build a new house. Yep. There's a new found family. Yeah, yeah because Bubbles is like, we got to see about your house. And then they like build it up all cool and 
Um, well, I also love that when the, the Grand Empress gets back into her ship, she's like, we're not taking Pleakley and Dr. Chupa. <laughs> like, they can stay here. Well, and, I, and also that, like, we, you know, the other thing we didn't mention is that she, like, says, there's a whole little funny exchange of her and Bubbles. They go way back to uh, Roswell. Yeah. Roswell, know? 1973. Yeah. It's um, like, oh, yeah, because basically Cobra saved the world by convincing them that the mosquitoes was an endangered species. species. Yeah. Um, but then there's a nice moment, too, with uh, the Grand Councilwoman where she's like, we're going to come back and check on them and, like, make sure they're, you know, basically saying, like, hey, you you treat the family well because we're going to be checking back in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's like. Them. It's nice. And it's like a, they're sort of yeah. the um, Cobra Bubbles of the, of the future now where they have right. to come in and check on the family. Exactly. But Bubbles becomes basically like the father figure, it seems, and Jumba and Pleakley are like the net, like they the cousin and the uncle yeah. that's that hang out, and uh, it seems like Nani and David finally get yeah. together. Yeah, and we get to see them do it, you know, doing more surfing, and you know, uh, we see Stitch gets to do the hula dancing and the fire. <laughs> oh my god, they're they're in, they're in a like a literal hula competition, and Stitch is there with all three arms out, and yeah. like everyone's like, yay! Yeah. And it's like. Why are these people not reacting to the six-legged thing there? Total, total, yeah. Everyone just accepts Stitch. I just kind of love that everyone accepts it, though, just because it makes yeah. the ending so much fun. Yeah. And then we get to see at the end a picture of them. They get to go to Graceland. Um, go visit Elvis. <laughs> I love no, when they see Graceland. I love that, too. Um, yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, and they show a bunch of awesome pictures, and then the final picture is the burned remnants of the... Uh, original Lilo family yeah. picture, but one of the burned corners they put it. a picture of Stitch behind yeah. it. It's great. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Great ending. Good movie. Um, oh, and uh, Stitch uses uh, Nani's underwear as ear mitts. <laughs> he does. He like makes like a little bow around his head, and then he we see Stitch doing laundry, and then he's like running around, <laughs> and, and, and Stitch is wearing this like immaculate apron while c- cooking, yeah. and it's very cute. It is extremely cute. Stitch, what what a king. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. I'm curious what, like, how the, the television show and the sequel movies go about, like... I, I, I would genuinely be interested in seeing where this goes, because I just really enjoy the characters no, and seeing Disney how they... Plus. You can you can check them all sure. out, yeah. Um, I, I bet the little, um, you know, I, I bet the series and stuff is probably funny. It's probably just them yeah, yeah. getting into hijinks. And it seems like a great bunch of characters to be getting yeah, into the totally. high cheeks. They can all be together also instead of like have to do their own thing. Um, the last thing I did want to mention actually though is um, the Chris Sanders of it all, which it's kind of crazy how much he did for this movie. So the movie's directed by Chris Sanders and Dean DeBloy, mm-hmm. who you probably also know by making the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris Sanders directs this movie, he writes a screenplay, he writes the story. And he stars as Stitch. Yeah, he gets a he. Yeah, I wish I would have written it down. The credit he gets at the beginning is it's like a ba- he gets like a based on the idea by credit mm-hmm. on top of co-writing and co-screenplay. So like it's yeah like and then he stars as yeah or sorry co-directing and co-screenplay and starring. So it really is his like his brainchild, his passion project. Um, very impressive. Yeah, yeah, it is very impressive. Um, yeah, so that's all I think I have for Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, you good? I'm good. Stitch is such a cute. Gotta love being Rames. Yeah. I'm just looking at a picture of Stitch. He's so cute. <laughs> all right. Thumbs up, thumbs oh, down. Thumbs up. I'll go up two out of four. 
It's a little less for me. It's three and a half, but it was very, oh, very that's, good. That's, that, yeah. that's a win in my book yes. that I'll go for. I go for because this is. And I, I probably, I think I came up on it based on us talking about it too. Because I still like, after watching it, um, was just like, Ugh, some of this is so sad. And like, what is it doing? <laughs> but no, I, you know, I had a good time with it. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's also very depressing. It is. But uh, that All right, so I, sends you on a high, so. Yeah. So I actually didn't watch another movie this week, so I'm, wow. I'm out for this section. Oh yeah, God. yeah. Okay. Um, I will go very quickly because then I, I got to bounce. But um, since, oh, because since we last talked, okay, I watched two new movies. Um, so, yeah, I only watched two this week. Um, Friday night, went and saw The Card Counter. Good movie. Uh, we'll probably talk about it more eventually once everyone's got a chance to see it. Um, but is it coming to a streaming service? I mean, eventually, but I, I don't know yeah. what the window is. It is theatrical yeah. only right now, and it's like limited. Like I don't even know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's we're back in the time. So it was funny last year. You know, stuff just came out virtually or it didn't, right? And so we all could see something or we couldn't. But now we're back in that like. Well, it's out in the theater by me, but that doesn't mean that it's out <laughs> in a theater by anyone else. And I never know when things play outside of L.A. It's it's very obnoxious of me. Um, but The Card Counter was great. Really loved it. Um, and then last night I watched we watched this um, fun little uh, horror comedy on Shudder called Boys from County Hell. That is an Irish vampire yeah. movie. Have you heard of this? Um, I hadn't, but I saw you, you uh, like uh, log it. I was like, "That's an interesting it's movie." Funny. It's it's a really sweet little sort of yeah low budget Irish indie um, about like these Irish road workers who sort of accidentally awaken an ancient vampire. Um, that came out <laughs> earlier this year, and it's it's fun. Like it was like literally last night. We're like. Want to watch, um, because also we watched the entire series of The Queen's Gambit this week, which predictably oh. was extremely my shit. Love The Queen's it Gambit. It really is it your really shit. It really was. Um, it was less weird than I thought. People had sort of made it seem like it would be super trippy. It was not trippy at all. It was very straight. It's not trippy at all. Uh, what the hell? I think because like there's, in the earlier episodes, there's like some interesting, they do a couple of interesting visual things, but like... I, yeah, I felt a little misled that, like, it was going to be weird. It's not weird. It's a very straightforward drama miniseries. But, um, I yeah, very much my jam. Um, I, <laughs> the, and we watched, like, the last three episodes yesterday. So it was, like, a real... Uh, it was... Sorry, what is I, that? It was someone screaming outside my window. Um, but so that's, that's what took up most of my time this week. But after we finished Queen's Gambit, we're like, let's watch something fun. Um, and so we uh-huh. literally went on to Shudder, and they have, like, a you know, horror comedy subgenre category. And this was already on my watch list because it had gotten pretty good reviews. So it is a Shutter original. Um, if you have access and you want to watch something fun that's also pretty spooky, Boys from County Hell, I definitely recommend the it. The main Irish girl in it, Louise, the played by Louisa Harland. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Dairy Girls? I have not. Oh, she's Oh, is she on Dairy main, Girls? She's one of the main four Dairy oh, Girls. Oh, okay, cool. I'm just, I just was looking at like the little letterbox picture that they put up with it. I was like, "She's great!" Oh my god, that's Orla. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Go oh, watch oh. Dairy Girls. I cannot believe you haven't watched Dairy Girls. Okay. Yeah, she's really good. Um, in the movie, I thought she was fantastic. So good yeah. to know. Um, also, the main the, the dad in it is 
he looks and sounds like Sam Neill, and his last name is O'Neill, and I'm like, maybe they're like distant cousins or something? Because Sam Neill is Irish, and so like like before he moved, his family moved. It's I always forget that about him. No, but so my conspiracy theory is that this guy is like a a somehow distant cousin or something because it looks just like him. Um, but yeah, fun fun movie. Recommend nice. Uh, uh, vampire hijinks and it's low budget enough that like it's not super like it's pretty bloody um, but most of the effects are like pretty funny um, sure. I think intentionally so yeah that yeah. that was it that's what I got up to this nice. week and then um, tonight's, what you get up to tonight? tonight's the Emmys it's Emmy day so I have a whole it's bunch Emmy of day. I have people coming over I have stuff to cook and make and clean and all that stuff but um, I have not I've literally seen like Ted Lasso, and now The Queen's Gambit, and I haven't really seen, I don't think, anything else that's nominated for anything, so I just... Succession. Oh, and Succession, of course. Um, so, pretty much, like, one thing per category. I've seen, like, one comedy, one drama, one miniseries. But I love to have opinions on uh, what should or shouldn't win awards uh, based on a total lack of knowledge, so that'll be fun. All right. Sounds so, good. Um, we will be back next week, probably, talking about something. Who knows what? Hopefully. Hopefully next year. I don't think so, no, though. Probably not. I think we got to hold down the fort a little bit longer. That's right. So We'll find something fun. We will. Well, until next time, Roger out. Roger out. All right. God, I can't find I don't know how to stop recording. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.